reinventing is not a destination. I would see it's an ongoing process. So my advice for people who want to see, see reinvent, see it as a process, not as a destination, which, it, which means it's not either or situation. Embrace a beginner's mindset and always be willing to uh, try out new possibilities. Hi, I'm Pearl Lim, your host for the Rebel Curiosities podcast. The topic of reinvention has been on my mind a lot lately, as many people have asked me about my own journey in starting this podcast. I started to wonder about our own inner status quo and the inertia that we have to overcome in order to create a journey that's manifested quite differently. And that's why in this episode, I connect with Adeline Tia, who is a fellow Chief Marketing Officer from the banking and telco industries on the concept of reinvention and why she thinks that a growth mindset, which was previously lauded as a key success factor, is currently just not enough in this world that's changing at an exponential rate. Adeline has also challenged her own status quo as an experienced marketer of over 20 years. Her conversations with her own coach triggered a rethink a couple of years ago into what she wanted out of her own life and work. So she stepped away from corporate world to dissect what that means for her. She started writing, and that became a book titled Reinvent 4.0, which defines her approach to leadership in today's world. She dives into what each letter of reinvent stands for and why these eight traits matter so much to leaders and entrepreneurs of today. I asked her about her own journey as well, what the Adeline version 1.0 was different from Adeline 4.0, as well as picking her brains about what she sees as the new role of marketing and business. We talked about what it means to have a leadership mindset, why we need to celebrate failures as much as successes, to challenge the status quo of what we know. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to the show, Adeline. It's great to be discussing this topic with you. Thank you, Pearl. Thanks for having me on Rebel Curiosity. It's wonderful to have you here. I love that we are talking about something maybe a little bit controversial, but let's get into it. Why do you think that having a growth mindset is just not enough? Well, let me share with you some context. Change is no longer constant. It is exponential. I mean, look at the disruption that's happening around us. Gen AI has taken us by storm since the uh, beginning of this year. And growth mindset um, now becomes the foundation if we need to survive. But in, all the, in a very fiercely competitive economy, we need a whole new mindset to thrive. And that's why I'm challenging the status quo, right? To thrive, we need a mindset of permanent re reinvention. And by that, I mean it's a way of looking at the world, seeing opportunity where others see obstacles, taking risk when others take refuge. It's about investing in your own your next trajectory when you are still growing. In looking at that, what do you think are the key differences between having the re-event mindset versus a growth mindset? Well, first of all, um, let me talk about um, my book. My book happens to be uh, the title Reinvent 4.0. 4.0 actually is uh, the context, is the Industrial Revolution 4.0, hence 4.0. And when I crafted Reinvent, it's actually an acronym. Each set the context of the future of work. So, for example, R stands for risk-taking mindset, being able to take strategic risk. E stands for entrepreneurial thinking, regardless of whether you are an employee or running your own business, because the future of work requires us to be value creators. 
we are no longer being paid based on how hard we work, but how hard we are to be replaced. And I stands for inclusiveness. We are now living in a multi-generation workforce. You know, we have babies, boomers, Gen X, uh, Gen, Gen Y and Gen Z working under one roof. And with diversity, there is creativity. So an individual to thrive in the future of work needs to be able to embrace uh, diversity, conflict and ambiguity that comes with that. And N stands for noticeable, which is actually personal branding. What you stand for is important. Build a thought leadership, elevate your brand equity. V stands for not vulnerable, which is being authentic, bring your whole self to work. And being vulnerable is the foundation of building trust and psychological safety in organization. E stands for empathy. Our mental well-being has now become one of the top uh, agenda for organizations because it affects organizational performance as well as individuals uh, to do well. Well, N stands for networking. The power of network, the ability to tap on network for information and intelligence. And finally, T stands for transdisciplinary learning. This means building a skills from different domains and being broadening your perspectives to have an enterprise view or to prepare yourself for the future of work. Well, what you certainly describe is a lot more elements to the growth mindset, right? And, and I guess that's your point that, you know, the growth mindset is just not enough. I think when we think about growth mindset being like the ability and the intelligence to continuously grow, I think what you've built further into that with the reinvent framework is the thinking beyond just what's able to grow, but more of like your personal branding, your networking, you know, to deal with the changes of today. Yes, in fact, I go a lot deeper and, and this framework uh, has now become uh, uh, my coaching framework. It's highly contextualized um, depending on what an individual organization needs. Uh, it is actually uh, relevant in today's context as well. Mm. So how did you get started on writing this book, Reinvent? 4.0, like what sparked your journey to want to do this? Well, a conversation with a coach last year um, changed my trajectory. He asked me this question, what would an 80-year-old Adlin thank me for what I do today? So my guess was if I'm going to be working for the next 15 years, uh, what would I do differently? So I decided to leave my corporate job, uh, publish a book and launch and build my coaching business. And, and being a coach is not something new because I have been a coach uh, for the last seven years. While I was working as a marketer in my day job, I was um, building up my, as part of my personal leadership development, I was I got myself certified as a coach seven years ago. And so that I was stacking up skills, right? And when the opportunity came, I decided, okay, it's time for me to just do transit to something different. Uh, at the same time, I'm still building on my marketing, leveraging on my marketing skills because I market myself as a coach. So that, that comes uh, very naturally. Well, I'm going to deep dive into that a bit more. As a marketeer, I recognize that a lot of times the work requires you to do a lot of planning, you know, with the teams, engaging, influencing, strategizing. What actually made you decide to want to take up coaching in your role? Well, so a couple of years ago, I was on the career break. In 2017, again, I had a conversation with a coach. It was a coaching conversations with coaches are always transformational. So my coach at that time asked me, what would you do after your career break? I said, I'll still go back to work and I've always been leading teams. And so he said, um, why don't you take up coaching? Because one of the most lacking skills that's lacking in many leaders is the ability to ask powerful questions. And being a learner, um, so I got interested 
So I have to always be very curious about exactly what is coaching. So that was what got me embarked me. Uh, I got embarked on the journey of uh, coaching, and I got a, an opportunity to coach professionals during my career break, actually. And that gave me very, really good insights for the book I wrote. Wonderful. In fact, I think every manager, any people leader, should take up coaching as part of a skills development, whether you're on the leadership path track or not. Yes, I think it's really a life skills. You know, to actually see the other person, so whether it's a client, whether it's your team member, exiting from the coaching conversation as someone with just more clarity and just feeling more empowered to do things is is a fulfillment and achievement in itself. Uh, For me, it's really being able to shift um, someone's mindset to be able to um, give that person fresh perspectives to look at uh, situations. So I, I am a certified coach, an NLP coach, and I'm also a team coach. So I do a lot of this in organizations. Uh, when I was working, uh, was, I was leading a team, and, and I find it very extremely helpful, especially helping uh, my team to reframe situations and look at things from a different perspective. Yeah, that's really powerful. So Adeline, what, what is the Adeline 4.0 version versus the 1.0 version years ago? Like, you know, before you wrote the book, what would you describe as the biggest change for yourself personally? Well, I would say it's evolutionary, just like um, mobile apps, right? Versions, you have version 1.0, 1.2, and it's really an evolution. Um, each, each reinvention, so to speak, gave me a new experience, new learnings. And before I knew it, the previous versions were preparing me for the next one. So Adeline 1.0 was when I was working as a traditional marketer. During those days, I, I worked for telco, I worked for banks, and we used very traditional marketing channels, right? Uh, TV advertising, print. And, and of course, I, I was still growing my career and you know, working across different industries. Adeline 2.0 was when I took a career break. I was certified as a coach. I was practicing as a career coach. And then I decided to go back to work. And Adeline 3.0, when I was working for a startup uh, that was incubated by a bank, and that was when I became an unconventional marketer. Uh, marketing in a startup and traditional organizations are very different. I learned new skills. I built a culture of experimentations. I was exposed to new technology. I was exposed to new way of do- doing things. And that changed my perspective. And in fact, I adopt the same methodology in how I built my coaching business uh, as well. So Adeline 4.0, when that happened last year, when I published a book uh, and I decided to move, um, you know, evolve uh, to do my full-time coaching, I still uh, am uh, working as a marketer. In fact, I work with startups on a fractional basis to help startups um, build their brands, uh, develop the go-to-market strategies. So I would say that I am now um, having the ability to just do what I want to do and, and choose my clients as well. Mm. And in working with your clients, you know, just going back to the coaching question, you, you are a coach for, you know, executives and leaders across C-suite members or leadership as well. What obstacles or challenges do they find the hardest to overcome? I would say mindset, the inability to look ahead in the future and see the need for change. Um, there's this thing called uh, present forward thinking. A lot of people think of, okay, where do I want to go next? Uh, where should the business be going next? It, when you talk about what's next, right, you are actually talking about incremental changes. 
this present forward thinking. Uh, instead, we should be adopting a future back thinking and looking at it from where do you want to be in the future? And then look at where you are now and under- identify the gaps and build on that. A lot of leaders or even organizations are focused on what's next. They are not casting uh, their, their vision to the future. A good example would be Apple. If Steve Jobs had said that I want to produce a phone that is better than Nokia or Motorola, we wouldn't have a smartphone. He uh, charted out uh, believing that he wanted to digitalize a person's lives. And what does that mean? Really, you know, having the alarm clock, having the news uh, um, uh, camera, everything on, on the phone. And obviously, technology enables that. And that's where, that's what I meant by future back thinking, envisioning what you want uh, yourself to be, what the business want to be, and you work backward, you know, what is it that you need to stack up uh, to achieve your vision. So what you're describing is not just looking at what's next in terms of the short-term actions that you have to take, but building a longer-term vision of what you want to achieve and then working backwards from there. And, And I think, again, that's very powerful in leadership, isn't it? What about that mindset is so hard for leaders to change? Because I think leaders are challenged with resources. Um, they are very focused on um, dealing with uh, present-day challenges and not crafting enough time to uh, to work on the future. And I think that has to do with mindset as well, right? Your your ability to to want to do urgency and the conviction to see ahead in the future and being willing to take uh, take the change. A lot of um, there are some organizations or even business leaders I speak to, um, they are very happy, uh, complacent with comfortable with where they are, I would say comfortable where they are, that they don't see the need for change. I think that that is the fundamental uh, challenge that um, I face when I talk to senior leaders. A big part of that challenge is also, um, you know, you talk about the comfort and the complacency. I, I think it's also the fact that whatever got them there, you know, the successes they have built, it's recognized and rewarded by the organization. So really, there's no incentive yes. to change as well. Uh, there is no need to reason, as you call it, to kind yeah. of scale to a longer-term vision or goal. And I think that's part of the challenge as well. And I think I just want to add on to that, right? You brought up a good point because the culture here, many organizations still having the, the traditional culture of uh, you are not allowed to fail. Mm. Whereas I came from a startup culture where we uh, ex- we built, I, I was involved in building an experimentation culture. What that means is really, you know, um, fail fast, learn fast. Uh, failure is not a, a uh, well, it's a, it's a learning. So I used to um, organize fortnightly meetings in my teams um, to celebrate success and failures. Uh, failures as a reflection of what have we learned, what can we do better. So I think having that uh, culture and and being able to um, tolerate failure would actually um, empower the individuals to try new things, to challenge the status quo. I love the idea of celebrating failures, you know, Adeline. In fact, I think it's even more important to have regular celebrations of failures than just successes. And it's not that because I want the company or the business to fail, but the fact that you are actually role modeling a culture of accepting experimentation and part of experimentation is messy, you know, you get learnings. 
but you celebrate the failures that come with it so that you can get good at it. I feel like oftentimes when we push away, you know, the negativity or, you know, the failures that we see um, to just showcase the success, what it does is it actually inevitably does the opposite, that you cannot fail. Yes, and I think it goes back, and sorry, it goes back to my first uh, letter as well, risk, uh, risk-taking mindset, your ability to take um, strategic risk. Sometimes taking risk is really, um, it doesn't need to be sacrificial, right? Small steps. Taking that step to get out of the comfort zone so that will foster that, that experiment, that culture of experimentations as well. Right. You know, if I look at the word reinvent, and you know, because you have different uh, definitions of each letter, which letter would you think at this point is most important for leaders in organizations? I would say um, entrepreneurial thinking, vulnerability, as well as um, empathy. Empathy and inclusiveness, these four, right? Because um, in a, in, for leaders, especially if they are leading um, the organization forward, they need to be able to think uh, out of the box, um, to think different, to think differently. Um, as I mentioned earlier, that we need to always challenge the status quo and then leaders need to take the lead on that. Um, vulnerability is the foundation of trust. Uh, vulnerability is about um, embracing imperfection, um, admitting uh, that you are wrong when you, acknowledging your mistake when you know that you're wrong, rather than, um, you know, being uh, bounded by ego. So I think being vulnerable is actually um, uh, being authentic and being able to embrace imperfection. And, and that's important because as a leader, you need to walk the talk. And when you do that, you, you actually cultivate uh, psychological safety uh, for people. And then that leads to people willing to try new things and being able to challenge the status quo. And of course, uh, inclusiveness and empathy goes hand in hand because we are working with people. And especially in, in this era where we use so much of technology, right? Uh, we need to, to ensure that uh, we ha- cannot be too dependent and rely on technology. There is still the, the em- empathetic element, understanding. And when I talk about empathy, it's not just working with your colleagues, but being em- empathetic towards your customers' needs, especially I'm, I'm talking about um, as a marketer, right? Uh, or even in organization leaders, they need to understand um, what the customers are looking for and understand the changing landscape of uh, uh, the economy, uh, the consumer's behavior, so that they can drive the change in the organization as well. Looking at customers actually is one of the most important things for a marketer to do. A lot of you know the marketing work for most organizations have been internally based, right? What products do we launch? What messaging do we say? How do we launch a product? What budget and resources? You know, everything is very internal focused. And I think what you're describing is looking at customers. What do customers need? What do they require in this new world of doing their own business? And how can we as an organization support that? So it's almost like a new way of doing marketing. Yes, uh, organizations, I mean, customers are the one that drives um, organizations' profits, right? Yes. So in, in that frame, you know, what do you see as the new role of marketing? Like, what should today's marketeer look like? Well, I, I walk the talk um, in my last chapter. I talk about um, transdisciplinary skills. Today's marketers need to have uh, transdisciplinary skills. Um, it means uh, being T-shaped uh, individual, right? Learning skills from different domains. 
um, I would maybe put it into three key pillars. One is the marketer needs to be equipped to data and tech skills. Uh, the ability to translate data into insights to deliver business outcome. And also ability to leverage on technology to create good user experience. Um, I, I, that was why I talk about market uh, Adlin 3.0 when I was working in a startup. I actually had to build a whole math tech stacks uh, to, to track marketing performance. And the, the other key pillar is soft skills. Ability to tell your story, um, design thinking, ability to manage stakeholders, ask sharp questions. These are soft skills. And the last pillar is being business focused. Ability to see the big picture and how the global mega trends have impact on business strategy. And having a good grasp of the operating landscape is important uh, for a marketer. In fact, marketers need to um, have a seat at the table as well uh, to help shape the organization's future. You mentioned data and insights, and I see that you know one of the challenges that uh, marketers have is not that they don't have data and insights. I think they have too much data and insights. We are overwhelmed with analytics, reports, dashboards, and I think the challenge there is figuring out what's important to look at. Yes. So on that, right, we need to then understand what is the outcome. What are you? What stories are you to tell? Are you, are you going to tell that is related to the soft skills, right? Uh, what hypothesis are you testing? And that's how I go back and, and track back on the, what data do I want to look for. That's really important, I think. Uh, again, it's like clarity about what is it you want to pursue because I think we have so many tools and analytics these days that, you know, we get everything, data on everything. And as we build like the ideal CX, you know, journey that you were describing, like, creating a great customer experience and what does that look like? Um, marketers today have to focus on the pivotal points that make a difference. So I think you sum it up, right? Like, you know, going clearly after the goals that we want to achieve and then building the analytics um, and, and the right action points around that. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go back to your earlier question about um, what was the biggest change that you've seen in me, right, from Adlin. 1.0 to Adlin 4.0, exactly evolutionally, evolutionary, um, especially publishing the book, uh, taking time off to reflect on my journey. Uh, it's important because sometimes we need to slow down to, to go faster. Yeah, and further, right? Yes. Fantastic. You have a mantra in your book that says, stay curious, stay agile. I love that chapter. I mean, you know, it was one that I received um, in my mailbox till I get your book, but I love that phrase. So tell us more about that. Like, how does one exactly stay curious and agile in the different roles they are in? You know, whether they are like in a leadership role, middle manager, or as a team player, or in the work they do. Well, I think um, being um, embracing a beginner's mindset is important. Um, always thinking that you do not know what you do not know. Uh, being going in with a very curious mindset and being willing to um, try new things, getting out of the comfort zone. And that kind of sum up what I talk about, being um, being able to reinvent, right? Um, agile. A lot of, we need not think of, of um, get into ourselves into either or situations. Uh, why not um, come up with hypothesis, experiment and learn from it? Uh, that's what I meant by being agile. Um, and reframe failures as learnings. 
one of the hardest thing to do about reframing failures as learning is the organization's ability to accept that. I guess you know in a business context where there's like targets to meet, all of that pressure can can create a culture of not being able to fail. Reframing that and accepting that you know experimenting and failing is part of learning. Sometimes the organization just don't have capacity to accept that. In such cases, you know, what would you advise or coach a, a marketing person or a leader to be? I would say, uh, really crafting time. If if how important is having um, looking at the future and and building, uh, investing for your next trajectory. I always believe in you know planning for um, you know ahead. And if you are convinced of planning for what's uh, what's ahead and planning long term. Um, you know, that's when um, leaders will need, or even individuals, uh, see that as a priority. They will craft time to do it. So it's important to actually convince the leaders or even individuals um, the need um, to really plan ahead and, and not be fixed into an either-or situation. So mitigate the risk. So if you are still striving towards, yes. you know, a, a percentage growth for that quarter, do it, but allows pockets of time to actually do different things and get learnings along the way. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes, right. yes, yes. That makes a lot of sense. So what advice do you have for people um, who are looking to reinvent themselves? Take a career break? It's always good to take a break um, in different, um, depending on the individual's um, state of life, uh, stage of life and capacity, right? Um, taking a break um, is important. Really crafting out time within your work week. Um, Google has this policy where every Friday is white space. That staff is, uh, is, uh, are required or encouraged to spend that one day to not have any meetings and to think of new ideas. Um, and that's how some of the new uh, business ideas came out from the white space on Fridays, right? So being able to create your white space, it could be in the form of career break. It could be in the form of taking um, in a, a day off in the week or going on leave. A lot of time when they take, a lot of people take leave, they just go on holidays and get themselves very busy. But really crafting out time to reflect, um, that's important. Um, before you uh, in 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 any in whatever you do right and, and and especially for people who looking at reinventing themselves reinventing is not a destination i would see it's an ongoing process so my advice for people who choose, want to see see reinvent see it as a process not as a destination which it, which means it's not either or situation embrace a beginner's mindset and always be willing to uh, try out new possibilities Fantastic. So what drives your curiosity these days? Well, I'm always um, keeping myself um, ahead, abreast of new technology. Uh, the future of work is actually keeping me, I'm, I'm very curious about the future of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, keeping abreast of new technology is how it is shaping our businesses, careers and our lives. Because as a coach, I need to always understand the context and help leaders reinvent for their next level performance. And, and that's what uh, keeps me curious these days. So what's the future of work like? Well, the future of work is uncertain, uh, unpredictable. 
um, that which is why it is so important that we anchor ourselves on these eight traits I talk about uh, to help us thrive. Because nobody really know. I mean, one year ago when I wrote about um, change is no longer constant. It is exponential. Not many people could resonate with it. But fast forward um, now, uh, people are actually experiencing it and they, are, they know that you know, change is exponential. I mean, look at um, a generative AI. Uh, Chat GPT took two months to achieve more than 100 million use, active users. TikTok took nine months to achieve the same number of users. Instagram took 30 months. And look at threat from Meta. It took all of two weeks to achieve the same number of customers. So you can see that change is no longer constant. It is exponential. Yeah. Uh, we need to always embrace that reinvent mindset uh, to thrive in uncertainty. Certainly, it does show that what got you here wouldn't get you there, right? It's that yes. long time saying, you know. And again, um, about that mindset, you know, that we have that got us to where we are in terms of individually or business, it's just not enough to get us, you know, in front of the world that's changing so rapidly. Yes, absolutely. And I think we need to be able to take, uh, be prepared to take some risk as well. That's why I love your mantra. Stay curious, stay agile. Yeah, thank you. What is the one rebel thing that you do that is most different from others? Wow. Okay, being able to create something from scratch. When I published the book, uh, Reinvent, well, I was planning to use that to, to my coaching, right? Along the way, I've got feedback. This, you can actually develop this into a workshop. So now I coach, um, especially organizations, I run workshops uh, based on my Reinvent coaching framework. And I actually developed um, assessment tool out of it. So I would say, um, well, just being able to develop something that from scratch and use it uh, to build a sustainable business. Um, this is really something that I've never done before because I've worked for big brands. Uh, I have worked for organizations. I have access to resources. Um, although I've worked in organizations where I do, I did have the opportunities to build um, products and, and brands from scratch. But it's different, right? When I'm doing this for myself, I, I no longer have a brand name to to. Uh, to leverage on is just myself, me and myself. And I think this has got to be the most rebel thing I've done. Wonderful. And and that speaks to, you know, the, the courage to embark on this as well. Because it's easy to look at it from the outside and say, you know, you've done such great things and you've got that. But I'm sure the journey must have also been filled with a lot of challenges and obstacles, right? For you to get there. Yes. And yes, and, and that's and that's exactly what I did. I did um, experimentations, mm. right? So when I first started, I was thinking, okay, there's world of coaching. There's just so many coaches out there, right? Career coaches, leadership coaches. How do I um, uh, own a niche? So I go out there, talk to people. I um, run workshops. I tested out my reinvent from framework. Um, I have hypothesis, and each time uh, when I go out there and, and talk to people, I test the hypothesis, I get validation, I improve, and that's where how I arrived to where I am today. Wonderful. And like what um, Jeff, Jeff Bezos says, right, every day is day one. I love that mindset. You know, it just resets everything for you. And, you know, it, it just takes away what you have accomplished, what you have failed, and just look at each day like as a new beginning so that you can restart your journey of experimentation, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Love that. 
So last but not least, what does the term rebel curiosities mean to you? Well, it is um, being able to challenge the status quo, being able to do things differently, um, and obviously being curious. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, please subscribe or share your comments. And to anyone else who may like listening to this, I'm a curious marketer by day and a rebel at heart for a transforming status quo at all other times. I work closely with curious rebels to drive change and radical results in their vision for work. If you'd like to have a chat, drop me a note at pearl at rebelcuriosities.com. Till then, stay curious, take care.